0: Hello, and welcome to Talking SME, our quick fire chat with business leaders. I'm Tracy Adams, and today I'm pleased to welcome Kimberly Whalen-Blake, Director at Hughes Patterson Solicitors, a legal, uh, leading legal practice in Cheltenham. Welcome, Kim. Hello, thank you for having me. You're welcome. Um, so I think it's fair to say that businesses have been fully focused on dealing with COVID's uh, pandemic for the past year, um, trying to work out how to run their businesses remotely, get their heads around furlough, uh, manage any additional needs of their staff. But yet in the background, of course, Brexit has happened and since January the 1st of this year, the freedom of movement for EU nationals has changed.
1: So many it's businesses just snuck in there on their. Yeah, it?
0: yeah, completely <laughs> unexpected. <laughs> so many businesses probably haven't been in a position to recruit recently due to the pandemic, but as business picks up and recruitment increases, this may be a good time now to recap on the main points um, to be aware of when recruiting. So I'm pleased delighted you could join us to help us with this. So sh- should we start with our questions? Yes. Right, so let's look at our existing employees. So, if a business already employs EU citizens, should they have already taken any appropriate action?
1: yeah so first and foremost you always have to look at your 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 own house before we even get to the point of recruitment so it is a very good starting point because of the pandemic there has been a little bit of leniency there and and employers do have up until the end of june so 30th of june to make sure that any of their eu nationals have either applied for settled status um or pre-settled status so first and foremost the easiest way to go about this is to just do a HR audit on your people so who have you got employed there do you have any EU nationals working for you any EU citizens working for you um, or EEA or swish nationals working for you because it covers them as well and 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 if so you really need to be uh reaching out to them yeah Okay. Find out how many is affected. Drop an email around. Ask them to 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 to, to contact a designated contact, so that because they're probably going to be worried about it themselves.
0: Yeah. Okay. Great. And that's brilliant. Thank you. And so, in terms, then, so if that's the sort of keeping your house in order, so then keep in, your house in order. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so, in terms of recruiting new employees, what are the main changes to be aware of now since January the first?
1: Yeah. So obviously, from January the first, you don't because the three movement of people have now uh, has now gone with, with Brexit. You don't have just the you know easier way of, of of being able to recruit people just as you would with you know your UK citizens. And you have to check. Uh, the fundamental point is you have to check that they have a right to work here in the UK. And if they don't have a right to work here in the UK, it will be in a legal contract, and it also comes with possible ramifications for for obviously employing somebody that 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 doesn't have a right to work here. So, First first and foremost, if they're EU citizens uh, and they are already residing here in the UK, they have up until the 30th of June to apply for settled or pre-settled status. Uh, a, A settled status is for those that have lived here continuously for five years. Pre-settled status is those that don't make that threshold, um, and, and then they are subject to the application being successful, given a maximum of five years to get that continuity of service. So if, if you have them and they're already residing in here, it is, it's, much, it's a much more simpler process. You can go on to .gov and there is a link in which they can click and it just takes them through. That process. And as soon as they've got that application, so your responsibility as the employer is obviously to check the paperwork and make sure that they do have that application. You need to keep your your checks in place um, and uh, and you're good to go. Now, for those that are not already residing here and cannot apply for settled or pre-settled status... We are back to what it was before the free movement of uh, of nationals and and you are really looking at recruiting them based on on either of them having a visa. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there are limited visas, to be honest. Most of them are related to uh, family ties, uh, where they can be supported by their family, or uh, if if it's ancestry. So for any of our Commonwealth countries, if you had a grandparent that was a a, a British citizen, you can get a visa that way. Mm. If, If they can't get a visa, then you are looking at basically put sponsorship and an points based system so you if you need a skilled worker yeah it, it is possible but you would you as the employer would basically be sponsoring that uh, and there is a whole process with that you 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 need to obviously make sure that they fall within the definition of a skilled worker and those are people that are educated above A-level positions, so it won't, won't, won't be for any of your GCSE positions. They need to uh, have a minimum wage. Minimum wage, I think, is around about 26000 um, And, you know, you need to show that you have a genuine vacancy for that role. Right. And, and then, like I said, it, it works on points. It's 70 points per person. There is set criteria for those points, yeah. and you have to go through that process. Once you know that they fall within that definition, yeah. you then have to apply as the employer for a sponsored licence, and that is where the biggest ball ache is. Uh, it, it's, it's not a sh- quick process, so you have to be really sure that you definitely do want to, to recruit somebody that doesn't have a right to work here in the UK. You Generally, for my clients, they wouldn't do it if it's a one-off hire. We're looking more at the SMEs that that use it as skilled labor so you you definitely probably wouldn't be doing it as a one-off mm. the process lasts for about four to eight weeks it's you have to su- uh, supply loads of documents to to the home office to show that you have the ability to track and monitor the sponsored population that you have the allocation of free critical roles within the organization that's an authorizing officer a key contact and a level one user. Uh, And what the level one user basically is, is is they have reporting duties to the home office uh, because if you are granted that sponsorship license, basically the home office pass all of the due diligence onto the employer and they don't really get involved. So you're taking on a lot of responsibility there. And there is a cost to that as well. And and the cost is uh, 1,476 pounds. Yeah. unless you are a small business and then you get a reduced fee for at uh, 536 you also get that reduced fee if your business is a charity okay great
0: so, I mean, that, that sounds to me like it's probably rare that businesses go down that route. Um, it's it's not those... rare,
1: Tracey. Um, really? I mean, uh, mm. unfortunately, uh, as a result of not just only the pandemic, but we've seen it for for, for many years before, there is a, a real skill shortage mm. here in the And so for some businesses, particularly where it is a lot of technical expertise or professional expertise, they have no no other option but to go down this route.
0: Mm -hmm. Gosh. Okay. well, that's interesting. Thanks, Kim. Um, And then what are the possible consequences if a business employs someone unlawfully, Kim? (laughs) If we hope yeah, well,
1: I, I, and that is unfortunately where, where the drawback is. Because the Home Office does a lot of pass in the box, so to speak, mm-hmm. onto the employer, they do need to make sure that they have their due diligence there. Now, the Home Office, for genuine mistakes, and particularly because of the pandemic and the fact that these changes have only just uh, taken place, there is some leniency there for genuine mistakes, but but the workforce, you know, the work, the employer must ensure that they can show that it's a genuine mistake. And so you're mm-hmm. not going to get over that hurdle if you don't have, you know, your audit of the staff that you've got working for you and copies of the paperwork and that you have sought to verify their ID and right to work. So mm-hmm. you can't be blasé about it. And if if unfortunately you do find to be uh, employing people that don't have have the right to work here, there is a mm-hmm. fine of up to 20k. Uh, there is obviously criminal charges that can be attached to that mm-hmm. and then then the biggest one which is usually the one that's the hardest hurdle to come over is the reputational damage that that causes mm-hmm. so y- you have to be really wanting to do it and also knowing what what the obligations are on you or on the business as a sponsor
0: yeah and just yeah just going back to I suppose a very early stage in the process that a lot of businesses might not be doing correctly and has always been the case, but you know, in terms of what documents or checks they should be making right at the very start when applications come in, you know, has anything changed with that since
1: January? No, not really, and and the you know, we do it even for UK nationals, so that if yeah. you don't have it in your recruitment processes already definitely take heed to this piece of advice because it, it, it is more than gesture your, your your EU nationals. You need to be verifying ID. Now, mm-hmm. quite a lot of people ask candidates to do that on the interview stage before they even do the job offer, but certainly before they start employment, you need to be getting copies of their passport, um, getting them certified, uh, proof of addresses, mm-hmm. and keeping it in the HR file. Um, I know it's the age old thing that, you know, it's the paperwork and all of the checks and balances that are required. But if you've got those fundamental basics in place, the chances are that if you have, because the Home Office is not going to expect an employer to be able to spot forged documents or um, have issues like that. And there is a system in which, you, if you do have any concerns, you can run a check, um, a HR check on on, on employees. So, and, and I think it costs maybe about twelve pounds a time. It is a low low cost if you did have any concerns about a specific employee. But the fundamental basics, the just as you do for nearly everything nowadays we have to supply a passport and a utility bill pretty much the same here for this and just Mm -hmm. put it on the hr file and then if you do four foul, you'll get a lot more sympathy from the home office yeah no that's
0: great so that was one good all of its good advice um but have you got one final piece of advice that if any company's got any concerns about any of this it's always the one takeaway you'd say what's the most important thing to think about
1: yeah i mean i always say that look if you're concerned even even if it transpires that it is it, it, it didn't you didn't need to really be worrying about that just pick up the phone and get some advice because you know it, it is so quickly for easy for somebody like myself or another employment or immigration specialist to be able to very quickly tell you what you need to do um, or if you're worrying needlessly needlessly about something so I'd say pick up the phone just you know don't don't be scared don't be worried that somebody will think that you're silly pick up the phone and we would be able to pinpoint you in the right direction
0: no that's brilliant thank you thank you for all of that I know it's a huge topic it could be a huge topic and and particularly the points-based system so we can it is, to. and,
1: and Tracy, if it helps your your members, I'm more than happy to to, prov- to provide you with some, you know, crib sheets and things like that, some useful resources that they can, you know, go to as. Uh, and when I say that, I don't mean lawyer talk. Uh, we we use. A handouts from, you know, like the CIPD, which is the HR Institute. So they're all in real, you know, understandable English rather yeah. than looking at like the Immigration Act and things like that. We won't send that. But yeah. if it's helpful, I can send some useful resources so that they at least have a starting point.
0: Yeah, that would be brilliant. And we can signpost that from all the communications we do around this podcast. So that's fabulous. Thank you, Kim, for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Um, more than welcome thank you and if you're listening I hope you've enjoyed talking SME and look out for future episodes coming soon